Chapter 37 Recovery His life was murk and darkness, resting down in the cold depths of the lake. It wasn't his, but he'd used it while he lived in the unseelie court. It was Ash's now. Technically, King Ash's. But Ash didn't need it, and he'd loaned it to August. So he lay on folded legs and turned his long neck and rested his horse head by his side and digested, mind floating through dark greens and browns, colors occasionally marked with flashes of bright green or white, even the reds and pinks and yellows of gore. The digestion process took him out of himself. He no longer thought like August Akushka, but THE Akushka. He was sensation and oneness with the lake, waterweed wrapping around his thoughts and tangling them, drowning them. He didn't think about the healing stab wound in his gut, or even the three humans he'd attacked all at once, gorging himself as his harmed body demanded fuel to recover. He didn't think about Ash, or Golvi, or the unseelie court. But every now and then, his mind showed him a creature of light, a creature of darkness. The first appeared as crepuscular rays, pushing through cumulus. The second looked like the underside of an anvil of heavy cloud, shaded and dark. The Akushka didn't attach names to these sensations, but one made him feel warm, like spring. The other was coldness, a dark that frightened even he. It was alien and strange. He blinked slow, lambent eyes at the water currents around him, at the tiny silver and gold fish that came and nibbled on his black, lustrous coat. He was full and sated. He was a swirl of almost contentment, his own mane and tail floating up and around him lazily, shifting in a slight, deep water current. Days passed. He needed them. In his water-horse form, he indulged. There was an odd, lovely peace in the predatory life of the Akushka at his most animal. Tiny jeweled crabs came and tucked themselves under his large body. An eel, violet scales flashing, lucent eyes a pale peach glow, came and coiled peacefully in a part of his mane, occasionally darting out to snatch fish. Carnivorous freshwater snails came and devoured the tiny tidbits of bone and meat that remained. Usually he was thorough, nothing was left behind. But consuming three humans at once, he'd lost control and gorged with even more violence than usual, the whole lake shaking with the constant force of rolling growls. He'd been starving. It had been years since he'd eaten properly. In his water-horse form, he experienced a pulsing resentment and hostility towards the human form that corralled his spirit by neglecting his appetite. Now he was a nascent creature once more, completing a cycle he'd entered into thousands of times throughout his life. A week passed when that human form mind pressed forth again. It started as flashes of thought. Reminders. Ash. Go above. Walk on two legs. But he hadn't fully digested his food yet, and he curled in on himself, trying to ignore the internal pulses that were like a fish testing him to see if he was edible. He bared his teeth lazily, he even growled at it, but his mind continued. Go. Go above. Skin now. Two legs. Get up. Feet, not hooves. His growl got louder, but the short, stabbing thoughts continued. The pale, crepuscular rays coalesced around a form that he found both threatening and appealing. 
The shadows and the anvils of clouds in his mind didn't retreat, but their influence faded. The flashes of thought were protecting him from them. He saw another water horse with short, curly hair, and had a moment to think, ridiculous. He came back to himself all at once, twenty-four hours after he'd started pressing himself to leave the lake. He transformed into his human form and swam upwards, eschewing his supernatural ability with buoyancy in order to make the swim himself, breathing water into his lungs and exhaling it, more pleasant than air, carrying the tastes of the lake, letting him know what lived in it, including the taste of his brother, something he knew so well from sharing a lake with him while they grew up. It awoke instincts of hostility alongside other feelings he didn't know how to process yet, because they were odd. His mind supplied the word brother, but it meant nothing to him. He was in human form, but his mind was lingering in the dark, murky depths. He used his buoyancy towards the end to push up through the lake's surface, until he could simply walk on the water and to the bank itself without having to pull himself up. He stood naked, dripping water, staring at the unseely court blankly for several minutes. He reached up with long fingers and squeezed water from his hair. He wished for dryness, but he could never have it. So he wished instead for clothing and boots that sounded like hooves clicking, and he didn't know where he could get them. He'd been in an empty infirmary for over a day, and then he'd needed to hunt immediately. Ash hadn't shown him to a room. He didn't know where any clothing was. He opened his nostrils and walked calmly forwards, looking for his brother. The twisted, ugly, unseely court loomed over him. It was a mess, reflecting the state of his mind when he'd altered it. He cringed away from shadows. There had been a time, not more than a year and a half ago, when this place had living shadows inside of it, and the dark spaces were dangerous. The unseely court was filled with them. It was incentive to pull his reserved, controlling mind back to himself, and he began to think again, to compartmentalize, to push aside his fears and his memories and pull back others, until his mind started to resemble an ordered network of streets. He tracked the scent of his brother, but it was another name on his mind. Gwen. For the last six months, when he came out of the lake, that was often where his thoughts went. To the golden one the one that made all that light. Not spring or summer or sunlight or electricity. Whatever it was, he was drawn to it. For what lake was not benefited by shafts of light streaming through the surface, highlighting the curving stems of lily pads underwater, highlighting water bubbles and the flanks of fish? He found himself walking along the corridor where he'd used to sleep himself, ended up knocking on the double doors leading into the room he'd once slept in. Ash opened it in an instant, wearing a threadbare red shirt with the print of some human pastry on it. It was damp at the shoulders. He looked August over quickly, the dripping nakedness of him. His eyes then fixed on something on his belly. August raised a hand to where Ash was looking, absently. The seam of a wound. It was still tender, but it was nearly healed. It is fine, August heard himself say. I would like some clothing, if you have it. Though not that monstrosity you're wearing, if you don't mind. Here I was about to say I'd give you the shirt off my own back, brother. But then I remembered you'd never fucking take it, Ash said warmly. Ash's eyes then moved to his chest, and August's hand came up and touched the blackened skin there. It felt like skin, 
not quite like a scar, but he could feel the boundaries and markings of the soul bond with his own fingers without looking. Ash turned his wrist, held up the mark on his own forearm. August stared at it, frowned. I don't like it, he said. They're ugly. Only because you don't like what they mean, Ash said, looking at his own. I happen to like mine. The blue-green lights in the scar are kind of pretty. August watched him quietly, and Ash returned the look, questions on his face, and a relieved smile hanging around his lips. August didn't know what to say. There was a lot to parse. He could leave if he wanted. He wasn't trapped in this court. It didn't feel like poison. That alone was a struggle to understand. Even once the Nightmare King had tossed him away, it had taken a long time to realize what that actually meant. The ability to leave, to do what he wanted. Except he couldn't do what he wanted anymore. Not really. I need a rapier, August said. I need to start training again. I'm not sure if there is anyone who would train with me, but there are things I can do on my own. He was reminded abruptly of all the drills Gwen did alone, but then it was hard to imagine many people could match his strength, especially with the somewhat destructive way he trained. Towards the end of his captivity, he'd started training again, secretly, remembering how to step through what he was doing, learning the rapier. Now he missed the weapon the Cheros had found for him. It had felt friendly. He didn't know if he'd ever find another rapier like it. It must have been a spoil of war, an unseely weapon like that hiding in the seely court. Gwen. August swallowed. I need a weapon, and I need clothing. And boots. A lot of your clothing is still here, Ash said, raising his eyebrows. You're still a bit underwater right now, aren't you? Yeah, you've always been a bit like that. Okay, well, I assume you'll be back to yourself in a bit, but come on, you remember where all your clothing was, right? I only added some of mine in. I didn't, uh, didn't take any of yours out. I missed you too, Alga said quietly as he stepped past Ash and into a room which was his and not his. It had the bed he'd chosen for himself, the furniture, but this wasn't his room, not really. This was where he'd worried, planned, fretted, feared, raged, seethed. What contentment had he ever found in this room, knowing the Nightmare King walked the same halls and corridors, knowing the shadows could, and had, come from anywhere, under beds, from behind mirrors, the threatening spaces behind open doors. And before that, he'd been, well, he never had known exactly what he'd been doing. Ruining the Nightmare King while trying to impress him? You killed Faye because of that monster. He turned you into someone who abandoned everything you were, just so you could present him with a gift of a kingdom. Just so you could say, look, I can do it too. August bared his teeth to remember it. Gwen had spoken to him boldly that day. Any news from the Seely Court? August said lightly as he stepped into the giant connecting rooms that were the wardrobes of the Unseely King. Ash was right. There was a pile of Ash's clothing on the left, almost none of it hanging up or presented neatly. Everything else was as August had left it. He dressed quickly, pulling on familiar pants, a charcoal gray shirt, calf-high boots with stern heels and sharp buckles. Yeah, no, not really. I mean, 
spied on how you're here, from what I can tell. Golvi hasn't told anyone. She's worried about Gwen, of all fucking people. But she's mad as fuck at him as well. She's sort of realized I wouldn't have been able to find that mage on my own. I don't know, she's not talking to me heaps right now. More than before, but not about personal stuff right now. And as for Gwen, can you please explain that whole clusterfuck to me, please? I mean, be honest, when did you know you had him wrapped around your little finger? Because it's either that or... I don't know. I can't figure it out. August paused as he adjusted his collar, and then abruptly smoothed it with both of his hands. His nails were long again. He'd need to file them shorter. He walked past racks and cabinets and cupboards, opened a drawer almost out of habit. And still there, his nail files. He picked one out and began filing his hard nails back, shaking his head at how much hadn't changed. Because everything had changed. August, please, talk to me. What the fuck happened while you were there? August looked at what he was doing, trying to sort his thoughts out. He didn't know how to explain it, and he knew Ash didn't quite trust him anymore. At least, not in this. I care for him, August said, taking a slow breath, looking up. Not because he was my captor, but because he is complex and worthy of care. A profound skepticism moved into Ash's lips as he pressed them together, into furrowed brows. Things were difficult in the beginning. Or, actually, no, I spent six months in the cell, alone. And I think that helped, actually. (laughs) He laughed. Then things were difficult. Then they became mutual. Mutual, Ash said flatly. August looked up at him then measured the look of anger in Ash's hazel eyes. We began to fuck. Mutually, August said, keeping his voice soft and precise. That rapist asshole, I fucking knew it, Ash snarled, and his hands fisted. He trembled. August said nothing for some time. He wasn't naive. He wasn't going to explain what Gwen had done in the beginning as anything other than rape, regardless of the times he'd enjoyed himself but he wasn't interested in hiding from the times he'd done the same to Gwen. As far as he knew, the sounding he'd perpetrated on Gwen was the worst thing he'd done to anyone, in terms of the years of consequences it would likely have, whether Gwen realized it or not, outside of hunting and playing with his food, which didn't count. Ash, August said, listen to me. It was mutual. Whatever happened, You must believe that I returned everything doled out to me, and then more besides. You know me, I am dominating by nature. You must under- You're not telling me that the fucking king of the Seely Fae, that asshole, is a sub. Your sub. I am telling you that I care for him, that it was mutual, that he decided to free me because- because I'm not sure he ever wanted to deal with prisoners, to be honest, but also because he cares for me. No, no, you can't. Do you know the things he said to me? August, no, he can be so convincing. But trust me, brother, he doesn't care for you. He can sound like he has your welfare at heart and that he's doing it for all the right reasons. But this is different, August said. And I know you won't believe or understand that. Yeah, accurate, Ash grumbled. I don't like this. I'm tired of tiptoeing around you. The last time someone took you prisoner, you invited him into this goddamned court. No, August said. I didn't. 
Yes, you did. No, Olga said, feeling cold. Nothing... He didn't finish aloud. Went the way it was supposed to go. But he remembered that time. Remembered how he assured Ash everything would be okay when the Nightmare King returned. Remembered falling into a role of charm and subservience that was humiliating and yet so automatic. It was the only cover he could reach for, the only thing he knew to do. He'd been inviting, engaging, even while he reeked of fear and the Nightmare King knew it. August had then taken him back to the unseathy court. He raised a hand to his forehead. It was damp. He smeared water away. You see why I think you could be a little confused? Ash said, stepping towards him. You say spending six months in a cell on your own was like, what, okay? All right? Not that bad? Ash didn't understand that loneliness could be respite, and he certainly didn't understand how things had been in the years preceding. That there were some things in life worse than spending six months in a cell, alone. There was one thing that August knew how to do. It was how to use his mind to his advantage. Give him time and space to understand something, and he would find a way to make room for it. He would never have voluntarily gone into a cell for months, but being forced into it, he'd finally had the time to learn the line between what he thought was genuine admiration for the Nightmare King and what was brainwashing. It turned out there had never been any genuine admiration. Ever. And in that realization, he had started to deconstruct at least some of the shackles that had changed him so much. He didn't know what to say, watched Ash approach. Remnant parts of his mind told him that Ash was a water horse, like him, and could not be tolerated. But they were drowned deep, left behind in the depths of the lake, amongst silt and mud and tiny jeweled crabs. They didn't belong above ground. They never had. There are things about Gwen, August said. Things you don't know. Mitigating circumstances. He's not what anyone thinks he is. He winced. That had come too close. His blood oath stirred and made his heart skip a beat. He had to be careful. But his mind was shouting the word unseely over and over again, and he knew how close he was to slipping up. Can we not talk about the guy who ruined our lives just for like, I don't know, like five minutes? It wasn't him, Ash, August thought. Gwen was right. I like a scapegoat, and so do you. We look towards the one who is still alive so we might get our revenge. And he has committed crimes, but not the ones you think. Then perhaps you might enlighten me as to the current state of the unseedy court, and anything else that's been happening. I have been dreadfully behind in all things. Ah, well, you and me both, Ash said on a wry smile. Golvy knows. Then let me get myself a rapier first, because I doubt she's through with me. They shared stiff, tense smiles. It wasn't the easy camaraderie they used to have, but after so much distance and absence, August felt like just looking upon his brother in person was a form of nourishment. Perhaps Ash felt the same way, because a few seconds later his smile loosened and became relaxed and easy, and he walked out of his room, which had never really been his room. August wondered how it must have been, Ash sleeping where August had slept, wondering if his brother was dead. His heart twinged and he raised a hand to it, only to realize he was directly over the soul-bond scar. He sighed, lowered his hand again. He took the nail file with him as he followed Ash, focusing on his nails. 
He didn't like seeing the shadowy places around him. Gulby didn't toss a knife at him the first moment she saw him, though her eyes went straight to the rapier strapped at his side and her lips curled. She still gazed at him with the same predatory hunger that he turned towards his prey and his victims when he'd been king. August had a necessary respect for Gulby, though she had been a thorn in his side throughout his reign. He knew very well she had betrayed the secrets of the unseelie court, turning traitor and passing secrets to Gwen. She could have been justifiably executed for it. But Gulby had always belonged to the Raven Prince. She was his hired, freelance assassin. August knew he had no chance of winning her loyalty when his plan to overthrow the Raven Prince worked. He'd sent several assassins of his own after her, and all had been dispatched. Eventually, he'd given it up. Gulby's skills were renowned. Her loyalty was to herself first, the Raven Prince second, and after several assassination attempts had failed, she would never be loyal to August. Gulby was a hunter, an opportunist, and perhaps one of the most classically unseelie fay he'd known. He had a plan to use that, if he needed to. It was a risky plan. But at some point, he would need to assert his own power. He wasn't the Akushka for nothing. She had gotten him once, and he was hoping to avoid it again. She watched him like she knew what he was thinking, but then he did the same thing to her. And there was a game to it. A charged, delicious thrill. It was only that he didn't want another gut wound in a hurry, and he was unwilling to do her any harm. Ash cared for her, and she had done him an odd but significant favor. As far as he knew, she'd never revealed to Ash that the spate of assassination attempts she'd warded off had come from his own brother. That wouldn't have gone down well. So you want to know how you've ruined the court, do you? Gulby said, her voice rich and filled with self-satisfaction. I would like to know what has been happening, and if you must start with my actions as king, then do, August said. He could go to her later. Right now he needed information. Ash pulled up a chair and straddled it, resting his forearms on the back, his chin on his wrists. He looked simultaneously younger and older all at once. The pose was one he'd used in August's house sometimes, long before August had been taken, when he was listening to him talk about his day. But his face was worn now no longer relaxed. Gulby reported crisply and concisely, mercilessly recounting the failings of August's court, and August had to wryly acknowledge that he agreed with many of her assessments, so chose to stay quiet, to Gwen's deliberate machinations to put her, and therefore Ash, in power. Did he always intend Ash to be king alongside you? August said. A year with Gwen, and he'd never asked. He'd simply assumed that Gwen wanted someone to manipulate, but Gulby was hard to manipulate, and Ash hated him. So his assumptions about that situation were flawed. Mm, yes, darling, I believe so. He first suited the idea that I become queen, but we had always joked in the past that I was as unsuited to the role as he. I am too ruthless. We are both for battles and assassinations and murder and fieldwork, so I found it curious that he suggested it during your reign. Thinking it over, I realized he always intended it to be the two of us. She gestured to Ash eloquently with a clawed hand. But Ash ran away after the display, and our public relations side of the situation, la, he up and decided to trial almost every type of alcohol he could get his hands on. Yeah, Ash said, grimly. Well. Favor has turned against us. Ah, but the court still adores Ash. They feel for him. But it is a sickened kingdom, and we have not built a court. 
Why? I don't understand. You know many nobles. You've been hired by them. You have good relationships with them. My work requires discretion. I cannot go and choose the nobles I trust, but they are the ones most likely to be involved in clandestine or criminal organizations, are they not? Other court fay may then suspect them. Nor can I simply choose those I don't trust to protect the identities of those I do. I suppose many of the higher-ups know whom I've worked for in the past, but I, personally, must protect the identities of my clients, regardless of what is public knowledge. I don't understand. You've had over a year, Argus said, eyes narrowing. Surely you've not been sitting on this issue of assembling a court, let alone an inner court, for a year. Golby glared at him. Her thumb pad stroked the hilt of one of her daggers. August's hand strayed down to his rapier. Now that he knew to expect them, he could deflect the thrown knife. At least, he used to be able to. Julvia requires care. I will not permit her to be cared for by anyone else. She is fragile. She is all I have left. August pursed his lips, didn't reply. After a tense pause, Golby continued, but they both never took their hands away from the hilts of their weapons— and August realized that even if she respected the soul bond, she could make his life very miserable if she wanted to. Clearly, she did. He didn't offer advice to either of them. Not yet. He needed time to think. He tentatively asked for news from the Seely Court, and Golvey gave a non-committal response that possibly indicated no news. Or she was lying. You could never tell with Golvey. His head ached. He lay on a new bed that night, a guest room yet again. He didn't like it. Ash had at least not offered him the rooms where the Nightmare King had stayed, but that Ash had offered him rooms at all, chafed. He'd gotten to pick his own rooms in the Seely Court. It shouldn't matter, but not being able to simply choose made him feel trapped again. He stared up at a ceiling paneled with a dark, blue-black wood. His thoughts swam. Knock, knock! Ash said, to announce himself. You're the king, do what you like, August said, then realized how that must have sounded. He lifted up, but Ash was already waving him back down. Ah, uh, yeah, no, too many memories of barging in on your room when we were kids, and you throwing monster tantrums in response. Can I sit? Yes, but I'm getting up, August said. I need an analgesic. Ash didn't sit. His face fell when August got up. He may have wanted a brotherly moment, but August's head pounded. He was still digesting his prey, and it had always made him feel sick when he forced himself back into human form too early. The unsealy court wasn't helping much either. He dug through the items he'd already collected from Ash's room, jars and items that were familiar. His fingers unscrewed a jar, plucked out a small tablet he'd made himself. He sniffed it, frowned. It wasn't good. It had spoiled. He dropped the tablet and resisted the urge to place both of his hands on the table and bow his head. He was naive. Whatever he thought release would be, this wasn't it. It's not easy, Ash said. Still have that habit of stating the obvious, I see, August replied, looking at him. Ash's smile was forced. You'd think, right? I lost it for ages. When you came back... before... You know, when you were damaged and hurt and wouldn't tell me what was going on, I stopped stating the obvious. You didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to push. Look at where we are now. You... August stared at him, 
His chest felt sore. You can't blame yourself for where we are now. I don't know. Ash shrugged with a single shoulder. No one else was going to do it, were they? No one else was going to ask you the tough questions. I should have. But you... We didn't... I guess we didn't do that. I was an idiot. Maybe if I'd made you talk to me about it, you wouldn't have... Ah, August said. Still, there was no onus on you to ask anything. You say that, but I've changed too. I'm not going to hide from the things I don't really want to know about anymore. And I'm not just the little brother anymore. So I have to... I have to... Ask some stuff. Now, pretty much. By the gods, does it have to be now? Ask it, August said. He did end up resting both of his hands on the table. He wondered what would happen if he took the tablet, knowing it had spoiled. Probably nothing untoward. But it wouldn't work, either. Still, he would take a possible placebo effect. He felt nauseous. He raped you, didn't he? And that's why you raped that frost spirit. August's mouth fell open. Of all the things to ask, this was what Ash wanted to talk about? He lowered his hands from the table, turned to face his brother. He didn't know what to say. Ash being so reductive wasn't like him. No, August said, and he was just about to continue speaking when Ash's face smoothed with visible relief, and he smiled. Oh, thank fuck, I thought that nightmaking asshole had... Let me finish, damn it. August winced. He didn't want to talk about this with Ash. But he didn't want Ash to make assumptions that were wrong, not in this. He thought he could sense what Ash was trying to do, and it wouldn't help either of them. Both of those things happened. Yes, I was assaulted. Yes, I raped the Frost Spirit. But it is not as simple as one leading to the other. Except that you would never have done it otherwise, Ash said and August grimaced. It's not that simple. So are you saying you would? Ash said, incredulous. You? Who has never shown a fucking interest in that sort of thing? Who actually used to go on rants about irresponsible doms who- Stop, August said, a spear of pain finding its way into his head. What are you saying? I mean, stop it. Stop trying to make it simple for yourself. It wasn't simple. Ask me how much I remember of the weeks following the return of the Nightmare King, and I don't have an answer for you, because I don't remember enough to even remember what I've lost. And before you jump to conclusions in order to exonerate me, yes, I remember what I did to that frost spirit. The Man of Shadows did what he did. I did what I did. I don't know what to make of any of it. I don't have answers for you. I don't want to talk about it. I'm only trying to understand, Ash said, face turning earnest a confusion and determination there that was a sign that August wasn't getting out of the conversation any time soon. Stop. You want this in a neat box, brother. You want me to be like I was before. But I'm not like him anymore. And I will never be him again. Do you understand? That August is gone. You can't put all of this in a box and shove it into a closet and get the old me back. You just... Do you think I don't know that? Something of indignation was crossing his brother's face, turning his lips stubborn. Fuck, August. I'm only trying to understand why you would do something you hated to someone who... Please, August said, desperate to make him stop. He didn't regret any of it, and Ash wanted him to. He could see it in Ash's eyes. But he didn't, because Ash didn't know what the Nightmare King had threatened to do to Ash, to August. He didn't know what the Nightmare King had planned. He just didn't know... 
August didn't want him to know. Not ever. Didn't want him to see the things that the Nightmare King could do to someone. Didn't even want him to hear the threats. But he had to get Ash out of the line of fire. He would have done anything. And he'd been desperate to get the Nightmare King's focus off himself. After... After he'd... No. August didn't regret anything he'd done. Only that it hadn't worked. I swear to you, Ash. I have no answers for you. You'll not get understanding from me. He did what he did. I did what I did. I'm not sorry. I would do it again. In a heartbeat. Ash stared at him, bewildered. His eyebrows twisted up and together, and his chin dimpled as his lower lip pushed into his top, because he didn't understand, and because for all he said otherwise, he did want an August that didn't exist anymore. August turned away from him, that expression. His chest ached. Ash would never understand. He'd carried those living shadows inside of him, and he'd still been Ash. He didn't care what Gwen said about it. Ash had kept his sense of self, his integrity, intact. He was... August was obviously just not capable in quite the same way. I want to be alone, August said. Please don't push me away, Ash said. It scares me. You pushed me away, and then... Then stop asking me about it. August said. His eyes were starting to burn. He closed them. You are not some senseless dolt. Stop trying to make it neat and sensible when it is neither. Because it's a mess, Ash said, stepping forwards. Right? Because it's a mess and horrible. And look what you went through. Don't you dare. August turned, stalked towards him, jabbed a claw into his chest so hard that Ash stumbled backwards. Don't. I don't need or want that from you. Ever. Then what do you want from me, brother? Only that... Only... August couldn't think of what to say. He closed his eyes again. He was upset. He wouldn't speak of this again. Not ever again. He frowned when he felt the hand slide up behind his neck, over the back of his head, over his hair, resting. Frowned because Ash was comforting him. Fingers were scratching into the back of his scalp, Ash's hand broad, gentle. He shuddered. He told me what he did, Ash said darkly. He told me some of the things he did to you when he came back. I wanted to hear it from you. I was hoping. I hoped it was a lie. August shook his head, humiliated. You can be as blunt as you want, but you'll not hear a recollection of that time from me. Ever. Yeah, Ash said, stepping closer. Yeah, okay. Don't coddle me. August muttered when Ash's other hand came up and rested on his shoulder, squeezing. You're exhausted, Ash said. Just, this is for me, too. It's not just for you. You're not the only one who needs this, okay? Don't you get that? August's eyes found Ash's. He felt weak as Ash started stroking his hair quietly. Hey, water horse, come lie down, Ash said, in that casual way he had of saying everything. August huffed out a quiet breath of laughter. Ash encouraged him onto the bed, keeping a hand on the shoulder. He guided him up the bed and then pushed him down towards the pillows. August went without protest. He was tired, and how many times had he wanted these moments before his defeat? When the Nightmare King had returned to the unseathy court with him, and he'd wanted, that first night, to lie down next to Ash 
and instead... I thought it would be different, Alga said, his voice stiff. I thought... I was naive, brother. I don't know what's wrong with me. I used to be suited to this world. Nah, Ash said, lying down, facing him. He scooted closer and pressed his forehead against August, cupped the back of his head with his palm, and just held August's head to his, like it was valuable, fragile. Nah, you were never suited to this world. Funny that. But you're not. I mean, you're a good advisor, I remember that. I remember you were good at schmoozing or whatever the fight do when they're hanging out at their mask walls and shit. Your Dreoct is pretty handy for making you seem like you know what you're doing. Because, well, it does that. You inspire confidence. But, uh, no, you didn't ever want this court. August's eyes drifted shut. His head hurt. He thought he'd feel relaxed. It was uneasiness, anxiety, discomfort instead. Still, Ash's hand was an anchor. His forehead pressed to August was familiar. It hadn't happened in so long. And not like this. Normally it was something August was offering to Ash, not the other way around. Ash began stroking the back of his head again. August's body canted towards Ash's, seeking an affection he'd missed. He thought of Gwen alone in the seely court, and his brow furrowed. He sighed. He almost said something, but Ash was not someone he could talk to about it. It was a shame, because it was a confusing relationship. He wanted someone to talk to about it, who wouldn't just condemn Gwen outright. I was going to ask you what Golvi and I should do next, Ash said. I thought you could be my advisor. God knows you've told me what to do my old life, pretty much. The court obviously needs a court, August said. Two people in this giant court alone, with the handful of servants I've seen, and no one else. You'd be better off with people you didn't know or trust here than no one at all. Golvi's odd about it, Ash said. To be honest, she's not... I mean, she's amazing and competent, and she is holding shit together by a thread. But we used to joke about it. Her and Gwen as well, apparently. Who knew? But also me and her. All the time. Like, she works for nobility, but she kind of hates them at the same time. She's too harsh. The Raven Prince was a pretty even-tempered guy, and, you know, he could be harsh, but it always seemed like it was appropriate. I didn't love the guy, but I respected him. I can't be an advisor to this court, August said, losing his train of thought for a second as Ash smoothed out tangles in his hair, lay out strands of waterweed carefully. You're so different now, Ash murmured. It used to be you'd never admit to weaknesses or mistakes or anything, really. I mean, sometimes, rarely. But what, today you've told me you can't be an advisor, that you were naive, that you think there's something wrong with you. Maybe some of it's your new center, but your confidence has been shaken. It's understandable, after everything you've been through. This past year, Ash, it hasn't been the torment you think it has, August said, and then felt himself sink closer to sleep, with the hand rubbing between his shoulder blades now, redistributing the lazy waves at the base of his mane. Okay, so you say, but your idea of that is so fucked up, Ash said, keeping his voice gentle. Bear with me, brother. But you were taken by a monster for a year, and hurt by him terribly, and it turned you mad. And now you look at a year captivity with a monster not as bad, who didn't hurt you as badly, and that's... 
Now you say that's not the torment I think it was. August, you were made to parade yourself, meekly, in front of a crowd of silly fay, and you had been injured, and they threw a rock at you, and you took it. That alone, that's disturbing. Public humiliation doesn't sit well with you. It never has. It must have been awful. Stop, August whispered. The hand pulled August closer until they were embracing. Ash's arm around his back, and August's hand sandwiched up between them, fingers curling weakly around each other. And you saw me, and I didn't come for you. I saw the way you looked at me. I didn't... I couldn't do anything at the time, but I remembered later. I saw you, brother. Tell me that was not a torment for you. By the gods, Ash, just stop. That was one night, in a year. So maybe the last few months have been all right, and I don't know. We'll see, but... August couldn't listen to this anymore. He jerked hard, tried to get away. But Ash's arm tightened around him and wasn't moving, even though August continued to strain against him. Shit, I'm stopping, Ash said. I'm sorry. I'm working this out, too. I'm sorry. The shadows change me. I'm not as tactful as I used to be. I used to not be very tactful in the first place, August finished. He tried to ignore the fact that they could both hear his breathing. He tried to calm himself. He didn't like to think of that display. They changed you? I just find it harder to stop myself. Easier to hunt. I hunt more now. Every three weeks, at least. August's eyes opened. He tried to tilt his head back to look at Ash's face, but Ash was holding him too close and wasn't letting him go. You would go two months, three months. Ash laughed weakly. (laughs) I might again one day. I don't know. But they made me hungrier. I don't know. It wasn't so bad at first, but over time, it got worse. I mean, I had them for a little while. I didn't think anything of it, like, when they're there, you don't really notice them. But when they were gone, I realized I was not... I don't trust myself in the same way I used to. I feel like, I don't know, I'm just not the same as I used to be. Does it... does it go away? I hope so, August said, though he didn't know if it would. He hoped it would for Ash. He was so minimally affected by the shadows overall. Perhaps it would. August knew some of the changes inside himself were permanent. He didn't know how he knew, only that it was like scar tissue in his mind. He couldn't alter it. Ash took a deep, shuddering breath, turned his head towards the pillows abruptly, burrowing closer to August like he used to after a night terror. There was a familiar hitch to his breath that hurt August to hear it. At once he lifted one of the arms trapped between them and wrapped it around Ash's back, digging his fingers in, reminding him that he was there. He said nothing. He didn't need to. Ash wept quietly, had always been so quick to display his emotions, and if he wanted to sob, he would sob but he seemed just as exhausted as August. He didn't seem to have the energy for anything more than shuddered breaths, the helpless lean into August, as though his big brother could make everything okay again. It hurt August's heart. Gwen had asked him what he regretted. Golvey had asked him if he had anything to say for himself. This, this, he regretted. He pulled Ash so close that they ended up tangled together, hair touching, breath mingling. Ash eventually relaxed and made a small sound of sad satisfaction.
Between the two of them, Ash had always been unashamed of his emotional outbursts. His joy, his anger, his grief. He could cry and he'd not feel unmanned or humiliated for doing so. August rubbed circles into his back, felt his breathing slow. You need it too, Ash said, his voice lax with tiredness. You need to sleep. I'll doze, August said, because he did need something. Some kind of rest. In lieu of sleep, dozing would be fine. Ash separated from him just long enough to look him in the eyes. His own hazel eyes were bloodshot, two tiny droplets of water clinging to the eyelashes. You still have those nightmares, don't you? Ash said, sounding like he might start crying again. August shrugged, looked over Ash's shoulder instead. Fucking hell, Ash mumbled. Fuck all of this. He pulled August close again, sliding his other arm under August's neck. Wouldn't let go. August decided, even though he wasn't entirely comfortable, he didn't mind. Ash fell asleep quickly, and August allowed a doze to steal over him. He didn't want Ash to see his nightmares again. He'd already seen so much of what August had become. He didn't need to see that, too. Not like this. During his doze, his mind drifted as it had underwater. He saw, over and over again, sunlight breaking through clouds. A name rested heavy and metallic on his tongue. He shaped it silently as he rested, without realizing. August snapped out of his doze abruptly when Ash got up and untangled their limbs. One of the few servants in the entire court was leaning in the door. An unseely common fay, looking faintly concerned, eyes narrowing to see August. Ash stretched, slid off the bed. Yeah, hit me up. Govi says you must come to the throne room immediately. Both of you. Something has happened. Like what? A messenger has arrived from the city court. He cannot give his message until you're there, Your Majesty. Uh huh. Okay. Cheers. You can go do your own thing now. The Fae nodded formally, retreated. Ash yawned hugely, turned back to August raising his eyebrows in that way he did to indicate that he had no idea what was going on. August slid off the bed. He would need sleep soon, but the doze had helped. And, he realized, the presence of his brother. It really had been too long since they'd spent time together like that. Some other species of fae didn't understand it, but many water horses craved affection, even those that led solitary lives. August and Ash had a rare opportunity throughout their lives to indulge physical affection and comfort, and had often wondered if the self-reinforcing cycle of offering comfort to each other had taken them even further away from their predatory instincts. For even August didn't hunt frequently, and although he attributed it to his prey being rare, it didn't quite explain everything. He was still dressed, though his shirt was rumpled. He smoothed it absently. Ash yawned again as they both left the room. August rubbed at his eyes with the back of his hand. There was no one here to see him do it except Ash, and Ash had seen him do it before. A seely court messenger. August's lips thinned. Creel had been threatening Gwen. He'd gone and released August. His court was unstable. People had noticed the soul bond, even if they weren't sure what it was. There were too many things that could go wrong, and all of them were serious. He released you, and he's still stuck, and all that work you were going to do. 
But he needed to eat. He needed to digest. He would have been useless otherwise. Why hadn't he agreed to meet with Gwen somewhere after he'd been released? Just to see if he was all right. At least then he'd not be so concerned now, which felt like a waste of his time. Yes, keep telling yourself that it's a waste of your time, and you'd rather just be done with it all. Very convincing, August. Very. August lifted his head to the side door into the throne room, saw a sharp movement in the shadows in the corner of his vision. He lurched sideways, slammed into the opposite wall, his knees almost buckled. He stared into the beady eyes of a silvery rat that had run out of the darkness, catching his breath. Damn it. He hadn't wanted Ash to see that. Ash reached out a hand to him, and August smacked it away, not willing to look up and see the expression on his face. <sighs> By the gods, I hate this course. August laughed, his voice sounding thready. August, Ash said, pressing on him with the weight of his voice. You. I don't hate it, August amended quickly. I don't. It would just be very nice, very, when it doesn't look like this anymore. He stood up, glared at the rat, ran a hand through his hair, and then stilled when Ash repeated the gesture with his own hand, feathering fingers through his hair far more gently, before returning up and rubbing at the back of his head. August's eyes lifted to his reluctantly, and he offered a rueful smile. I wasn't like this in the cell, nor in the Seely court. Imagine that. All that Seely presence. And not once did I. Not once. You've bad memories of this place. Ash said. He grimaced. Did he ambush you in here? Oh, I don't want your pity, August spat, stepping sideways out of his reach. It's not fucking pity, Ash snarled. Stop acting like you're better than someone giving you shit about this. Of course you'd be trying to cope with all of this with your superiority complex. Fuck August. August began to snipe back, and then laughed weakly at the two of them standing in the unseated court, bickering. He'd missed this too. They'd never seen eye to eye on many things. It was... familiar. Ash joined him, leaned against the opposite wall, close to the shadows that August had been eyeing off cautiously. For the Nightmare King had ambushed him here, just before the side entrance to the throne room. He raised a hand to his neck, touched his own clavicle, reminded himself that things were different. I'm going to kill that rat, August said as it ran off. Nope. Ash said, forcing a smile into his voice. August appreciated it, sighed, shook his head. I'm just dazed from resting. Yeah, okay, we'll go with that, Ash said, keeping his voice soft and knowing in a way that chafed at his skin. I didn't realize, August. If I'd thought about it, I would have changed the whole court. I don't know, Colby and I couldn't decide on how we wanted it to go, and it turns out when the co-queen and co-king aren't in agreement, they can't just change the appearance of the court. Like, we can't just take our own sections. Let me guess. You wanted some kind of casino party lounge, and she wants an eerie? Uh, <laughs> Ash laughed. <laughs> Fuck, let's get this messenger thing out of the way, yeah? Maybe we can leave the court today. We got access to the four wards, so we can make you pretty safe. Especially with that invisibility of yours. I don't think it's good for you to spend long periods here. Oh, anyway, August thought, shaking his head at himself, at how he reacted. He was far more composed when they entered the throne room. Golvi was talking to the messenger, but she seemed to be asking general questions, 
and the messenger was talking not about the Sealy Court, but about his own family. He was a badger shifter, though in human form. His hair wore the telltale stripes, there was a broadness and length to his nose and mouth which indicated he'd never quite fit in in the human world. His hands were badger paws, clawed and strong. He held a sealed scroll in his thick hands. August wondered how angry at himself he'd be if he acknowledged that he wanted to sneak a look at Gwen's calligraphy. As soon as Ash entered, the sealy messenger nodded in acknowledgement and looked to Golvi for permission to break the wax seal. Golvi waved a hand at him, and he did, and August caught a calligraphy that was too angular to be Gwen's. The badger Fay's voice was fine, strident. It was the only thought that August had before he heard the words themselves. King Albion of the Atlantic, Seely King of the Seely Kingdom and its court and people, informs you that Gwen Apneed, former king of the Seely Court, has been demoted to Underfay and imprisoned for crimes of treason and legancy. He has released the prisoner August Akushka from Seely custody. At that, the Badger Fay trailed off and looked at August. He could smell the sharp scent of the Badger Fay's fear. He smiled without thinking, despite the heavy, pounding thud of terror in his own heart. Fear everywhere. It has also been revealed that Gwen Apneed has been masquerading as a Seely Fay using old law to assist him, and he... No, August breathed. And he has been exposed as the unseely Fay that he is. Sentencing has not yet taken place, but execution is expected within the week. You have precisely seven days to intervene if you wish to, given that he is one of yours and belongs to your kingdom. Please arrange an audience with Albion at your convenience, if you so wish, but do not expect leniency. The crime of legancy is taken most seriously by the Seely Court. The Badger Fay rolled up the parchment and waited expectantly. Goldie was staring, her black eyes wide and shocked. Ash looked like he'd been struck. What of Creole? August said to the messenger, causing him to take a frightened step backwards. Tell me, what of Creel? What of her crimes? Sir, the messenger stuttered. Tell me! August's mind was racing. He tasted bile, felt the sensation of being pulled underwater quickly, and oh, this could be what drowning felt like. Sir, she has been placed under temporary house arrest at the Anne Fenway estate. Albion determines her role in Gwen's legacy. Her role, August said darkly, shaking his head, seeming to be the only one who could function amongst the shock of the others. Legancy, a seely crime, it didn't even register in the unseely court. It was the crime of lying on a grand scale, considered separate to treason. It was... August had been right. In a single moment, Gwen was a pariah. And house arrest? At the Anfenway estate? How terribly taxing for her, however will she manage. Oh, Gwen. Demoted. To Underfay. Imprisoned. Was he still alive, though? They said he was, pending execution, but... Execution. Gwen knew. The idiot knew this was coming. He'd been so evasive for so long. He must have known. Were you there? August said suddenly. Were you there when they revealed he was unseely? Wait a fucking minute! Ash said, his voice breaking. August, did you know? Did you know he was unseely? Golby gave a small laugh that was more stunned than anything. I knew, August said, looking at Ash. 
I blood oath not to tell anyone until it became public knowledge, which, at the time, we had assumed would be never. I also oath not to use it against him. But it turns out that I didn't need to worry about that, because the Seely Court has it well in hand. King Albion, indeed. He turned to the messenger. Were you there? The Badger Fay nodded, took another step backwards, then another. Then tell me what happened, August said, his voice hardening on his compulsion. He was dragged up onto the dais in the throne room. Kriel was very upset, and they cut him open and removed an old law Aethwick that had been hiding his true alignment. The traitor was unanimously voted out of kingship, with the exception of Ondine, who did not vote. He was demoted and he passed out, and was taken to the cells. Albion was made king. August turned to Ash, thinking he might be ill. Organize the meeting with Albion. Nah, little thing. Do you care for him? Colby said, shock giving way to a cruel delight. August turned to her, eyes widening. As do you, August said, voice low, faintly desperate. And you want us to organize this meeting and intervene? What can we do? Our court is fragile. We have no military. We cannot simply request he be given to us. They will not give him back. I don't want him back. He doesn't fucking belong in this court, or with us. He's not one of us. Ash growled. He's been working against his own kind all his life. Let him be executed. Organize the meeting, August said, ignoring the way he felt of what Ash had just said. He'd told Ash he cared for him, and it mattered not at all, clearly. Let me come with you. I have spent far more time in his company than either of you. You must... Dear me, I think you'll stay here, Golby said, her eyes gleaming. August was playing his hands poorly, still not thinking straight. He straightened further, glared at her. No, August said, staring at her. You... I am in a court, and you will... Charming, Golby said, baring her teeth. You do care for him. What a hook to have you twisting on, Waterhorse. Well, I think the king and I must discuss what we are going to do about this, yes? She looked at Ash, and Ash was watching August, a frown on his face. Yeah, Ash said. No! August winced at his own voice. No, listen to me. Listen. He is one of the most powerful fae I've come across. He's classless, he's unseely, and he's been forced into a lie by his family all his life. It's not a coincidence that he was the first seely king to end up running the wild hunt, and it's not a coincidence that amongst his so-called friends, he counts mostly unseely fae. Golvi, hate me as you wish, but he is your friend. Golvi was listening, he knew, but he realized he'd thrown a compulsion into what he'd been saying in his desperation. He was spilling out all over. He was a flooding lake. His mind unhelpfully threw up an image of Gwen on the dais. He felt the smallest amount of vindication to imagine him demoted. Now Gwen knew what that felt like. But Gwen, he had no concept of what it was to be under Fay. It was a miracle he'd even survived. And Creel would have been there. It must have been... August remembered well how his own display had gone. It must have been awful. The Badger Fay was staring at them all in shock, and August realized that he would report back all of this to the king. August wasn't around Troes anymore. He'd been in a safe environment, relatively, for some time. It wasn't so anymore. Can he not wait in the antechamber? August said, pointing to him. Ash nodded, and then took the badger fay away with him, towards a room designed for seely visitors. Caring for your captor, 
La, August, that's so tedious, even for you, Golvi said under her breath. Golvi, August said, deciding that he didn't have the energy to play this with his usual reserve. Hate me? Throw your knives at me. Whatever you must, do it. But he would be an asset if you could find a way to. Albion will not give him to us, Golvi said coldly. At least let us find out if Gwen still lives. That's unlikely, Golvi said. It may also be a trap to find out if we knew. Albion is canny. We are drastically underpowered against him. He is Saltwater Fay. He lives and deals with Saltwater Fay. And we are, all of us, freshwater. That alone puts us at the disadvantage, don't you think? Golvi, listen. Listen to me! Golvi snapped, her eyes flickering up to see if Ash was returning yet. You listen, you foul thing. You are nothing here. We are all nothing. We were engineered into power by Gwen. How do you think it looks? He has not only lied to the court, but to me, and I... She broke off, looked into the distance, as though considering something. I need to know if he lives. Take me with you, August said. Ash would have him executed, and... Silence! Golvi snapped. August subsided, grinding his teeth together, resisting the urge to pull hands through his hair. You care for him, August whispered. The hand had come up and down across his face in a blur of speed. Claws sliced across his cheek. Oi! Ash shouted, and then footsteps running towards them both. He disobeyed his queen, Golvi said, glaring at Ash, then August. August's breath was coming faster as blood dripped down his face. He hadn't predicted this. He hadn't foreseen any of it. He needed a moment. He couldn't think. He turned and walked away from both of them, staring at the old thrones, the ones he and his own inner court had used. He closed his eyes to them, but could still see the Nightmare King's throne tipped back against the wall, forced himself to slow his breathing. Master yourself. There, his breathing was calming. The surface of the tumultuous thoughts in his mind were settling and becoming still. He'd revealed too much of himself to people who didn't care about either him or Gwen. He was in a dangerous situation. It would make the most sense to cut his losses, to give Gwen up for execution, to make the most of his remaining life. But even though it made the most sense, it was not an option he could consider. Not anymore. August turned back to them both. He had no idea how much time had passed. He has been in that silly court for some time, and he has read and memorized most of their war and battle and military scrolls. He is underfay, and so can be compelled easily to reveal the court's weaknesses and strengths. He was bluffing. He had no idea if Gwen could be compelled. He was almost certain he could. He'd never met an underfay that could block his compulsions. Not even Gwen was likely lucky enough to escape with that inner wall of his intact. Albion in all likelihood will not give him to us. I do understand that. But Gwen is an asset to this court, and he can be taught loyalty. We have our own prison, and could easily hold him here. But in lieu of that, at the very least, it would reflect well on you both to at least check on him. If Albion believes you are both in league with him, checking on Gwen's welfare could unsettle him and make him wonder what you have planned. Especially if you pretend you knew all along. Albion likely suspects that Gwen had a plan in placing you both in power but those are the rumors, and they have no doubt reached Albion's ears. August looked at his lips, kept his fear deep in the waters of his mind. I have known of Gwen's unsealy alignment for some time. I believe I should come with you. 
not only because of this, but because I think it would aggravate Albion to have me there, the prisoner of the Civi Court, released by the court's former king. You want Albion off-centre as much as possible. Yes, he is dangerous, but you are both equal to him, and he is bound by many of the old laws not to do any harm to us during meetings of mutual need. He may attack later, but that might come regardless of what we do now. August spread his hands, only then realizing how heavy his Dreoct was rolling off him, a defense mechanism. He wanted to be believed. Gwenapneath hasn't lied to you of his own volition. His family's situation was fractious, and he was forced into this guise of a steely alignment to appease his parents, who could not betray Creel's center of appearance and her concern for reputation. They are famous for always throwing silly fay, Golvi said, speculatively. Mm, yes, they are. It is their catch cry. To adopt Gwenapneath to the unsilly court. It would reflect on them too poorly. Do not underestimate their roles in this. August felt like he would be sick. He pushed that away, too. He wiped his own blood off his neck. It was beating on his shirt and falling off. The water-wicking fabric came in handy for blood as much as water. We will take what you have said into consideration, Golby said with a faux sweetness and took Ash by the forearm. We need to discuss this. Without you. August watched them go, wondering what Ash saw in his face when he turned to look at him over his shoulder. When the doors closed behind them, August turned to the side and retched violently. He brought up no food, his body having tucked away the energy of the humans he'd eaten, but the motions racked him for a full minute, his hands clutching at his own gut. He trembled in spasms, allowed himself to be overtaken while no one could see him. And then he wiped saliva from his mouth with the back of his hand and forced himself to straighten, forced his breathing to calm. What did Golvi's friendship with Gwen count for? Because if it wasn't as strong as Ash's hatred, then Gwen would be... No, Ash will listen to you. Ash... He wasn't sure. Still, he'd presented his arguments as well as he could in the moment. He'd... depersonalized them. And look, Gwen is imprisoned and about to be executed, just as he always wanted. That's perfect for him, really. August laughed at his own thoughts, then closed his eyes and bit his own tongue. The idiot had a death wish, had actively planned to die in the past, but none of those things could likely have prepared him for what he'd just experienced. He was utterly alone in that court, except that Undine hadn't voted. He hadn't expected that. But still, that didn't mean he had any friends in the city court, only that a single person had taken mercy on him. August began to pace. At least half an hour passed before the side door opened and Ash and Golby returned, walking towards him. When Ash saw August's face, his face pinched in concern. Then his eyes turned hard. He looked angry. Well, I'm outnumbered. <laughs> Ash laughed. I need a drink. I'll be back in a few hours. He walked straight past August in the opposite direction, towards the lake where he could teleport easily, slam the door behind him as he left. He stared at Golvi, who in turn watched Ash leave, unhappy. She didn't like going against him, but August supposed she'd had to get used to it over the past year. Thank you, August said, realizing that the meeting had gone ahead. In a second, Golvi's hand was holding him by the collar, her wings had flared, a curved dagger was at his throat, and August had his own hands hovering over several nasty pressure points in her torso, ready to strike back. 
They stared at each other, squaring off. She glared at him. August stared back, determined. Make no mistake, Colby snapped. You are lucky that I am friends with both Gwen and Ash, for nothing would please me better than to come at you through your loved ones. Think about that for a minute. I like that this hurts you. And if I didn't think I'd be hurting this court and myself in the process, I would let Gwen be executed by the city court in an instant, just to watch you make more of those delicious, frightened expressions of yours. I can smell your fear, you horrid mess of a fay, and I revel in it. You have not Ash's sympathy, nor his support in this, and you do not have mine. Take me with you, August gasped as the knife cut into his throat faintly. He pressed down on a pressure point, and now they were both hurting each other. All at once, Golby let go and stepped back, wind swirling around them. August was now bleeding from six places thanks to her. Five points on his face, one point on his neck. He was starting to heal already, but still. Golby was all sharp edges, in more ways than one. You've seen the oath I took for the soul bond, have you not? August said. Golby stared at him, expression hard. She had. You know what I've oathed for Ash's life. You know that I can't work against this court, you, them, whomever. You know that. I loathe you, Golby said, grinning at him. Let me come to the meeting with Albion. Oh, you're coming, as our tame, underfoot prisoner. You belong to us now, and you do well to remember that I am your queen. Perhaps you should start calling me your majesty. August exhaled slowly, forced himself to remain calm. It was imperative. Stay calm. Golby laughed a sweet, rich laugh at him. He didn't realize he was growling until her laugh became louder. But then it tapered off, as August growled did, and she tilted her head at him. He told you he was unseedy, Golby said, something odd in her voice. I guessed, August said. He was vulnerable. He just had a nightmare. He let something slip. It was a coincidence. I wouldn't know now, if it wasn't for that. I'd still be there, most likely. I'd not be released, but for that guess. A nightmare? You were in his bed? We... August turned to look at the door through which Ash had exited. We are close. How did you become close? Golby said, and August shrugged. He never wanted to keep a prisoner, but he didn't want to kill me either. Why? Golby's eyes narrowed. It's not my place to say. I will not betray his confidence. But that was a code, and many of the unseely fae understood what it meant. Even Golvi. She sheathed her knife and looked confused. He was a client of yours, she said, flatly. When? A time ago, before he was king, when his center turned to wildness. Then, immediately after the massacre of Muithon's army. Golvi hummed in the back of her throat and stroked a finger across her chin thoughtfully. Then she reached behind and scratched at one of the bony arches of her wings. August had no idea if it was a self-soothing gesture or not. He watched her for several more seconds, and then thoughts of Gwen being demoted overwhelmed him again, and he held back his nausea. He tried. He was bending double again, retching before he could stop himself, one arm wrapped around his torso, the other on the hilt of his rapier, sure that Golby would stab him while she had the chance. She didn't, and he straightened slowly when he was done, daring her to say something. You love him, Golby said, and August couldn't pick her expression. Disgust? Horror? Recognition? 
Well, you know what it's like, don't you? August said, voice hoarse. You have your own idiot. He thought Golvey would gloat, because he would have if the situation was reversed. But instead she simply shook her head at him faintly, disappeared in a small, fierce swirl of wind. Several small feathers landed on the floor where she'd stood, and then just like that, he was alone in the throne room, having no idea when the meeting would happen, which one of them was organizing the meeting, whether that badger fay was just waiting in the antechamber. They hadn't forgot about him, had they? August laughed softly. This was a broken court. He'd laid the foundation for it to be so. He had to sort himself out, quickly. He wouldn't do anyone any good fretting about the circumstances he and Gwen found themselves in. He needed to focus himself. He decided to make use of one of the training rooms, move through old rapier drills that the Raven Prince had taught him. He needed his wits about him. He had debts to square. He wasn't the only one who needed to be released from a prison.